Pour parler d'agriculture et d'Europe à la jeunesse. Le climat-wandel erfasst immer weitere Teile der Welt. Farmers help us bring nature back and preserve biodiversity. Ceux qui sont dans le rouge s'en sortent quand ils font plus vert. La qualité dans ce pays, elle doit être là pour tous. Welcome to our latest edition of Food for Europe. Now, the European Union spends about a third of its budget on support for farmers and agriculture. But although it's an essential part of rural life, farming is just one element of what's needed for rural communities to thrive. This podcast focuses on the EU's long-term vision for rural areas, a comprehensive approach to making rural life in Europe, everywhere in Europe, more sustainable, prosperous and attractive. First, our report, this time from Italy. And what could be more Italian than Parmigiano-Reggiano? In a moment, the laborers will arrive to feed the cows. We have an automated system which brings the feed to the cows and they know the schedule like clockwork. They know when it's feeding time, when it's milking time, they know everything. We can hear them from afar sometimes. The automatic feeding system breaks down and we know it because the cows start to moo like crazy. They know the food comes every two or three hours. In fact, we've just arrived and you can see that they were all lying down. And now almost all of them are on their feet. Daniele Valentini is a young farmer with a PhD in law who produces Parmigiano-Reggiano in the mountains of Emilia-Romagna in central Italy, an entrepreneur and a local councillor in the small town of Castelnuovo nei Monti. The area where he farms is called the Montagna del Latte, the Milk Mountain. The Milk Mountain is the name of our programme, which is part of the national strategy for inner areas. So the strategy that dedicates funds to the development and the rebirth of so-called peripheral zones. And through this programme, we have sought to relaunch this area on two pillars. The first is services, healthcare, for example, hospitals and training, roads and education, schools. The second pillar is that of the most important economic resource in this area, which is Parmigiano-Reggiano, especially mountain Parmigiano-Reggiano, which has several unique qualities. So this strategy puts together these two pillars, services and Parmigiano-Reggiano, to revive and promote the area. But unfortunately, it's a fragile area, not so much economically, but because of the demographic situation. Daniele's farm, like others in the area, has benefited from ring-fenced rural development funds within the EU's common agricultural policy. These funds are essential for us in this area because they have allowed us in just a few years to modernise most of the farms 
are linked to this modernization has been a dramatic generational shift in the running of these farms. To give you an example of my family, my dad is over 70, my mum over 60. Thanks to the European funds, my brother and I have innovated here. We have created a new spirit, probably with additional EU funds, will enlarge our business and there has been a change in the leadership of the farm. Daniele Valentini there. And we'll be back at the Montagna del Latte later. Mario Milochev is a director in the European Commission who leads the directorate responsible for the long-term vision, and he joins me now. So, Mario, what is the need for a long-term vision for rural areas? The rural areas were the biggest sufferers from the 2008-2009 financial crisis. We uh, made a survey and almost 40% of them say they feel left behind by the society. And this percentage is close to 60% in the remote rural areas. So definitely we had to do something. By the way, the previous communication for the rural areas was in 1988. 33 years we didn't have such a document and uh, therefore it was high time to elaborate it. Well, high time indeed, given that lengthy gap. That was a very different Europe then, of course, a very different society. Give me a flavour of the trends that underpin this current strategy, this vision. If you look at the long-term demographic trends, you can see that in the rural areas, especially in the remote rural areas, um, the uh, decrease of the population is much faster than in the cities. Therefore, evidently, we have a link with the demographic trends in Europe. And uh, by the way, for the first time, we elaborate such a vision under the democracy and democracy work strand of the Commission. And we are trying to involve all the policies uh, in it because not only the common agricultural policy and the cohesion policy can contribute, also the transport, the energy uh, policies, they are... uh, uh, they are foreseen to, uh, to to contribute to this. That's the demography element. What does democracy have to do with this? We saw that uh, um, the votes, the populist votes in the rural areas are slightly uh, above the populist uh, votes uh, around Europe. And it is strange because two main policies, the common agricultural policy and the cohesion policies, they, they are investing heavily in the rural areas. And it is strange to have the feeling that these people, they feel left behind and they are uh, voting populist and they are voting anti-European. In this sense, we decided that we should study and analyze not only the behavior, but the feelings of these people to see what the reasons are and how we are going to address So, the future of rural areas intricately linked to the future of the European project. Mario, thank you. Isabel Cavalaix, a Portuguese socialist MEP, is the European Parliament's rapporteur on the long-term vision. And I began by asking her if she shared Mario's view of the importance of the political dimension of this vision. More and more we see people choosing extreme political discourses in the rural world as a way to protest, as a way to say, hey guys, we feel abandoned. 
we feel that no one is actually listening to us. Um, we really don't count. I mean, you come here for the elections, campaigns and so forth, but we are uh, absolutely abandoned. And far-right uh, parties really don't come out with something uh, innovative and, and, and new and to solve the concrete problems of these people but somehow they manage to you know to manipulate the uh, the emotional side of these people's discontent surely bringing various policies under one roof to maximize the impact that's going to make rural areas much more attractive communities for people from cities to move into potentially isn't it one thing that i find very important this is not just about a rural world but about rurality you can be in the rural world and you can be working for a big, big multinational in, uh, you know, in Berlin. You're just there with your laptop in your rural space, but you're not really living rurality. You live it when you're there and you're trying to understand the, uh, the traditional knowledge. You're trying to combine it with innovation. But sometimes I see that we're talking about different stuff, although we are using the same words. Isabel Kavalhaish, MEP there, with her vision for how the long-term vision needs to develop. Now, back to Italy, a country with a glorious rural heritage, but with a rapidly ageing and shrinking population. A decade ago, the government designed and implemented the National Strategy for Inner Areas, a blueprint for sustaining and strengthening countryside communities. Sabrina Lucatelli was one of its architects and I asked her about the problems she identified in Italy that led the government to develop this strategy. We understood that the, the mayors, they felt uh, loneliness, small municipalities and not very strong technical capacities within offices and um, the young were living. The percentage of very old people is, uh, is growing, is uh, more and more important. And, the, and the, the young people, even those that wanted to remain, they had difficulties, mainly linked to the difficulty to, to find job and to set up new businesses, but also uh, linked to the very, uh, the, the quite weak uh, uh, network of services. Now, this work has been your life's passion, and it's led you to create a foundation called Riabitare l'Italia, which roughly translates as Repopulate Italy. And you're trying to change mentalities as much as policies, aren't you? What has to change? The grandparents, they have to stop to say to the kids, you have to leave, you know, vattene, you have no opportunity here. So what we are trying to do now is re reverting these tendencies and say, no, you can stay here, it's a different life. Do you like it? Or maybe it's it's not the kid which is born there, but it's somebody living in Milan that is, you know, is tired of Milan. The concept of citizens of those areas is completely different from the past. People go come back. I, I like, uh, like to talk about temporary citizens. Each of us, each, each Italian has a, a small village in, in the family. Thanks, Sabrina. So let's find another small village back on the Montagna del Latte, Cervarezza, home to Antonio Pisano. Antonio grew up in Tuscany, studied architecture in Milan, and moved to London, where he lived and worked for 15 years. Antonio and his British wife, Julia, are taking the seed of an initiative they began in the UK and are now growing it in Emilia-Romagna, a rural innovation hub. 
But it's quite a leap from the hustle and bustle of London to the Montagna del Latte, isn't it? I don't think that we are losing anything in terms of access to services living here. We feel that we, we are benefiting from a, a much closer access to far more important services, which is being able to go in the woods and sit down under an oak tree and, and see deer and see kind of wolf <laughs> footprints. And, and I think this connection um, has a huge, tremendous value, um, which is not now starting to seep through into economy. We heard earlier from Daniele, the law student who returned to the farm. And for Antonio, encouraging rural kids like Daniele to leave home could ultimately strengthen rural communities rather than undermine them. It is entirely okay for, uh, for, for you know, Italian or French or German or whatever kids to go out travelling and then broaden their horizons, understanding the importance of diversity, and then come back home with new values. Um, so contributing to that social innovation, really by having experienced something new and, and diverse. Clearly, there are always going to be people from small villages attracted to the bright lights of big cities. But for Antonio, as for Sabrina, Perhaps the biggest task of all for policymakers is to change perceptions that some rural inhabitants have about themselves and about their own communities. It, it really is about moving on from this kind of ancient, modernist conflict between cities got it all with this industrial mindset, because the wealth is where the factory is. You know, wealth is where access to clean water and good air and nice community, that's the real wealth. And it's surprising because whenever we meet someone that even just from Reggio Emilia has moved up to Castelnuovo e Monti, they say the same thing. They keep saying, you know, people around here don't know how good they've got it and they keep complaining about it. Antonio Pisano there, who with his wife Julia, is building rural Italy with bricks and ideas. Thanks to him, to Sabrina Lucatelli and to Daniele Valentini, all, in their own way, custodians of the uniquely beautiful spirit of the Bel Paese. My thanks also to Isabel Carvalhaish and Mario Miluce. Food for Europe will be back again soon. And in the meantime, there's a wedge of Parmigiano Reggiano waiting for me. So from all of us on the team, buon appetito. Organic farming is steadily increasing. That's good. Pour parler d'agriculture et d'Europe à la jeunesse. The climate change affects ever wider parts of the world. Farmers help us bring nature back and preserve biodiversity. Ceux qui sont dans le rouge s'en sortent quand ils font plus vert. La qualité dans ce pays, elle doit être là pour tous. 